Live from Team Church Conference, this is the Leading Second Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart and welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast live here at Team Church Conference. Team Church Conference. And I am joined with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, John Morgan from City Church Chicago. Uh, hey man, great I, to be with you. Dude, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so so glad to be here. It's been and a, we've a done phenomenal conference. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. been it's been um, I think one of my favorites today and um, the whole week we've been doing this group style. I've interviewed three or four people, but since you probably have the personality of three or four I, people, I have three personalities. Yeah, so, uh, you you get it all to yourself today. Yeah, that's good. I wouldn't. I I would just dominate the other people anyway. So, so that's how we're doing this today. So yeah. I want to remind everyone that uh, may not be here today. Head to teamchurchconference.com. We are uh, streaming all of our sessions live, and if you're Listening to this after the event has concluded, check out the Champion Center YouTube. Uh, we are putting all of our sessions on there, and we just want to help you and uh, hope you'll join us next year for 2019. It's going it to be, be a good date to get set in the schedule. Absolutely. They register uh, now, 99 bucks. Absolutely. Cheapest it'll ever Unless be. Unless they listen to this podcast three months from now, and then you miss your opportunity. Then it's a little awkward, Sorry about actually. that. A little so awkward. It was $99, and you're <laughs> now going to pay more, but it's still worth it. So, John, I met you. Uh, when you were traveling through our church years ago when I was a Bible school intern, and I had the privilege of driving you, which meant I had the privilege of going to the gym with you, um, and you have an anointing on your life to make interns puke in the gym. And, it's a gift. Uh, it, it's a spiritual gift. It's and a gift. That, that was my introduction it's to... It's called driving out the lukewarmness of their Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> And I've spent the better part of my adult life avoiding you in the gym. Uh, no, we until, worked out. We worked until out. last year, but that was great. We worked though. out. We went to the mecca of all gyms, Planet <laughs> Fitness, where the dumbbells don't go over 60 pounds, the non-judgment zone. But anyway. But in, in, uh, in seriousness, uh, I remember you coming to our church during that season, and then you were actually on our team. And I just want to say thank you for the investment you made into my life, you what you taught and how you live literally framed my life. And and so much Thanks, about ma'am. my ministry and leading second is is very much ripped off of everything I heard from you. I that's, give you credit once. Oh, that's good. Okay. Once once five years ago. This, no, today is <laughs> oh, okay, this is, is your credit. Okay, this, this is, is it. This is your credit. I come I'm and gonna then, I'm gonna save this podcast. <laughs> And then now, forever hold your peace. Okay. Um, but thank you for that. And tell us a little bit about you and uh, your family and your church. I'm married to a very beautiful, wonderful woman, Anna. And uh, she is on staff at uh, City Church in Chicago. She's the ministry director there. And so, uh, and then I have three gorgeous daughters. Brooke is my youngest. She's at home with us in Chicago. And then my two oldest daughters, Shreya and Chloe, are actually here at Champion Center. Uh, Chloe's on staff with uh, guest relations, and Sharia volunteers helps out Bellevue and different things like that. So yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. They're awesome. We love them. And Anna was has actually been on our podcast before. Um, you travel, yes, sir, and help churches. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, how, how, what do you do for churches? How do you equip churches? Well, it really depends work? on how I'm connected to them. So sure. the lanes go slightly different. So there are a lot of churches where I'm coaching, like their youth ministries, their youth team. That's sort of like my my happy space. I love youth ministry, been doing it a long time. And so if I connect in that way, that's how I work with all their youth teams and that's youth great. leaders. 
and, and other churches I'll come in and I work, I've connected through either the senior pastor as a friend. So if I connect through the senior pastor, then it's usually training, doing sort of what you're doing, doing yeah. the second, yeah. yep. second tier, second level uh, ministry, helping develop that. Absolutely, and, and I love that, I mean, you have, you have been a lead pastor you yeah. know, a, a season in your life, but you have spent so much of your life in the number two seat. And I think yeah, that's really important. 10 years as a senior leader, and I think the last 20 serving somebody else's vision. Yeah, which um, I just want everyone to understand that as we're talking today and, and what we're going to talk about, that's so important that you, and I, I respect that about you and your your impact is, is far and wide on that. Uh, and it's so interesting, you went from the lead role to the number two role, which is Nearly well, it wasn't sort of, of yeah. Well, it wasn't sort of much, so much go from lead role to number two. It was I was a senior pastor. I loved what I was doing. We had a great church. In everyone else's mind, it was really successful. It was one of the largest churches in New Zealand in its time. Yeah. We planted three other campuses, so we'd had like a campus model before there were campus models, and we had a really good team, and so that was thriving. But then on the other side of what I was doing, I was running Youth Alive. So sort of almost like what I'm doing now, doing youth and church. Right. Right. <clears throat> so I ran Youth Alive in New Zealand. We ran a, a large youth conference called the Invasion Conference and did youth leadership training. And so while I was doing those two, I was really happy, but I always felt this like lean to youth ministry. And I'd called my pastor, back then was Pastor Brian Houston, about whether I should maybe resign my church and do youth ministry. He was like, well, you've got to really hear from God on that. So it was like an eight year journey. And then <clears throat> circumstances happen. My associate resigned, move on. And I had to make a call between youth ministry and church. And so I chose the church and then I was depressed. <laughs> <clears throat> and I did nothing. I remember getting invited to a family camp and I thought my world had ended. Wow. And then in that season wow. of being, you know, friends were like, why are you doing this? You seem, you know, God gives you the desire of your heart. You know, he impregnates you with desire. Maybe you're called to do youth ministry. And so that's a big, big call because I'm a very strong leader and I wasn't sure how I could be on somebody else's team. And so, um, but then I, I eventually, you know, got enough, I went to Pastor Brian again, laid out the words I felt like God had said, he'd validated that, it was confirmed. So then I resigned my church just to focus on youth ministry. And then I itinerated for three years. So I wasn't on anybody's team, I was still my own boss, based with my friend Paul De Jong, served at his church whenever I could, did any projects he wanted me to sure, do. Sure. Technically not on his team. Mm. So I was still like a running and ruling my own wall. Right. And then did three projects in America. The short story of that was Pastor Kevin invited me to be the youth pastor here. Yep. That was the big transition from me from going to be a number one to serving somebody else's vision. Mm. And then I've been doing that since 2002. You know. So good, so good. And I, I loved when you were on our team here and, and amazing season. I think the, the idea I wanted to have you unpack for our tribe today is, is one of the thoughts that shaped my life in that season when you were around our church and here on our team is the idea of being a number one, number two. And I just want to set you loose on that for a minute. But that, that thought, um, I, I was different after you uh, brought that thought into my world. Well, there's a lot of angles to that, but just for the sake of time, um, but the, the number one, number two concept came out of, of Joseph's life. Yes. And how he's the prototype. Any message you've ever heard on dreams, visions, you know, whether it be in church or an Amway conference or a business <laughs> meeting, you know, they're going to talk that the dreamer, you know, the, the, the dreamer achiever was, was Joseph. Right. And when you really analyze 
Joseph's life, Joseph really was not much of a dreamer. In fact, Joseph's dream was pretty self-serving. Joseph's dream at 17 was, I know I'm awesome. One day you'll acknowledge my awesomeness. Yeah, right, right. That's yeah. pretty much all yeah. it was. You'll bow down. And it was, yeah, you'll bow down. And so it was about me, yeah. my ministry, my opportunity. And then over the process of time, you know, uh, Joseph got connected to Pharaoh, who was the real dreamer, because he had, he had seven good years, seven bad, this huge dream, which actually was national and international salvation. So all Joseph did was connect himself to something massively bigger. And then when he connected himself with that, Joseph's dream pretty much became a reality in the context of Pharaoh's dream. And when you look at Joseph's life, he wasn't really a dreamer, he was more of a strategist. He was able to see what Pharaoh could see, was able to break Pharaoh's vision down in the context, in, in church talk, in the context of his department. So it's like the youth leader looking at the overall vision and bringing the context of youth ministry. Right the children's work about bring culture and vision into there, you know, wherever it flows. And, and, and so Joseph was this hugely significant figure. You've never heard a message on Pharaoh the dreamer, wow. ever. And, um, and he never was, and Joseph never was, a number, never was a number one. And so a lot of guys wanna be the number one guy because they feel like that's the way you get significance. That's the way you get importance by being the dominating person. But, but Joseph never was. He served his dad's vision, took his brother's lunch. You know, he served uh, uh, Potiphar's vision. He served the jailer, and then he served Pharaoh. So he, that's all he did was serve all of his life. And we're, and we're sitting here today talking about Joseph, not talking about Pharaoh. So amazing. So you can be significant. Like you can, if you can thrive in, in the right environment, you know, and, and the truth is, as far as the number one, number two is, it, the common denominator in any organization, a church of 20, church of 200, 2,000, 20,000, the common denominator is there's usually only one spot for the number one role. Yep. Yeah, maybe, maybe two in some circumstances, yep. but that means everybody else is leading second. That's right. So, That's right. you know, it's like the number one role is, is important, but nothing happens without great number twos. Well, and I think one of the things that bothered me so much about ministry, why I think we're attempting to do something like this is that you see people in the number two role get frustrated, you know, feel like there's a lot in them. In fact, in our lab yesterday, we had some questions come in like to that nature of, I feel like there's more in me. You know, I don't know if I have the opportunity to get it out. And I, we, we buy into the lie that I can't succeed as a number two. Therefore, I have to go be a number one in order to succeed. Like that becomes the measure of success. And you said to me in that season, you can be a number two, number one, or you can be a number one, number two. Yeah. And um, I just think that that point of frustration moves so many uh, guys, couples, ladies, like out of the lane God actually had for them. And they ended up just being mediocre in the number one role when they could have been phenomenal. It is a bit of a challenge the for the church. And, and it's the, 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 uh, the onus of the situation falls both with the senior pastor and the, the number two guy. They both have to own the responsibility for that. And it becomes chemistry, it becomes communication. Um, uh, that, that's the only way it, it, it's going to work. There is plenty of opportunities, plenty of room. It, it never works if you have a senior pastor who's intimidated. So there are two pharaohs. You have Joseph's pharaoh, who had no problem with Joseph riding the second chariot, no problem with people bowing down and treating Joseph just like they would pharaoh. Um, no, no problem with his authority. L let him run. Okay, you see that? 
you run with it, which, which only happens when the number two adds value. Right. If you're a number two and you're on staff, and you're always, what have I got to do, how have I got to do that, and you're just, you're needy, then, you know, your, your role's probably always going to be small. Not because your pasta keeps you small, you have small capacity. When you can run fast and then you can take stuff off the pasta, and you can take, you know, programs, and you can help run stuff, and you can make the pasta's load a lot lighter, then, then they'll, you know, if they're not intimidated, they'll give you more. So, so Joseph Sparrow let him loose. Next Pharaoh came, who wasn't, didn't know Joseph, right. and that was Moses Pharaoh. Right, right. Who was totally intimidated by anybody else's success and made it hard for them to thrive. And so you ended up with the biggest church split in history called the Exodus, you know. So, so in essence, that, that number two, that, that there's gotta be that chemistry and communication. And uh, I, I, there's no limit to what you can do if you can, as a number two, take on the responsibility to help the church grow. Like the Bible, Bible speaks about Joseph, he added value. He brought something to the table. And so as a number two, rather than, you know, what's my pastor holding out from me, <clears throat> should be, now what can I bring to the table here? Right. What, what, what value can I add? And if you keep adding value and keep building, and the chemistry and communication is good, then there's really no limit to what you can do unless the senior guy has a lid. Mm. That, and then that revo- requires communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Um, I've heard you say it that the number two role is the architect of honor that that we when we lead in the second chair we are the what the you know, the highest role if you want to call it that in the organization that also has to lead up yeah so we we architect the culture of honor that that's actually the the place in the organization where honor comes from i think and i know you think this honor culture gets a bad rap it today in, in kind of our, our yeah, I don't know why it gets a bad rap. I think that's a misunderstanding of honor. Yep. I think if people yep. really understand what honor is and the biblical principle. Totally. I had somebody, I was in a meeting recently, they said, how does this go down with, you know, millennials? How does this whole thing work, you know? And, and they, the same similar thing gets a bad rap. And I was like, well, you have to teach the Bible. Right. Like genera- gen- just because a generation is different yeah. doesn't change the scripture. Totally. So, you know, the, the, the principle of scripture simply is that where honor is high, the, the anointing is illuminated, and where honor is low, the anointing is diminished. So it's never so about good. me honoring you just to make you feel good. Totally, totally. And, and when you think about honor, honor is just add value. So that's what it means. I'm adding value yeah. Yeah. and I'm adding weight. So if somebody says, you know, uh, do you feel like we should uh, honor people? I'm like, do, do you think, I think we should add value to people? I just put that word in there. Wow. Do you think I should add value? Do I think I should add, you know, do you think I should help? You know, I should add something to you? Like, is there anybody who would say no? You know, so honor, it's got this perception of like somehow it's just self-serving, it's just me. No, it's adding value, however I can add value. So if I add value by bringing your car up to the door so you can get out of the building quick, then that's honor. If I can add value to you by, you know, pastorally caring for a whole, you know, I'm just adding value to the organization. And so in, in the Bible, uh, the, 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 the power of God or the authority that's in you comes from your anointing. So if you're a senior yep. guy yep. and you, no, let's, let's take it this way, just say you're an evangelist okay. and you have an anointing, you're marked by God to see souls saved. Yep. So when that anointing is on you and you do an altar call, souls are going to get saved. I've heard evangelists preach messages make no sense, <laughs> you know, get up and have, you've seen it happen. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I want oh, to yeah. get saved and the altars are packed. You go, like, how did that happen? Yeah. They didn't say anything intelligent. 
That's that's God's power Absolutely. moving on their anointing Absolutely. of evangelism. So so what happens is when I dishonor, I diminish that anointing. Wow. So Jesus couldn't do wow. many miracles wow. in one city. Why? Because the prophet's only without honor yeah. in his hometown. So when the honor was low, it it blocked the power that was released through his anointing. Right. The opposite is true. When honor was high, power was easy. In fact, the woman with the uh, issue of blood, her honor was so high, she's like, I'll add, I'll, I'll add value. I don't even want him to stop. I don't need a conversation. I don't need him to hold my hand. I don't need him to say a special prayer. I, I, her honor, I, I'll add value. He can just keep going. If I can just clip the hedge of his garment, when he's coming past me, I'm gonna be good. That's all I need. Yep. So she worked her way through the crowd. No one got her there. She just clipped the edge and Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, what just happened? And so she drew off his anointing, yeah. healing yeah. into her body. So whenever I honor my leader, it's not about making my leader great. It's about taking what God has put on my leader and accentuating that for the people so that the people get the best. Absolutely. It's always about the people in the crowd. It's always about, it, it, even on, on that thought about the crowd, which is where I think we lose the number one, number two thing, is you take, go back to Joseph and Pharaoh. So Joseph and Pharaoh, let's say they're together 20 years. It was 14 year commitment of the seven good and seven bad. Yep. Pretty small window. Joseph's riding the second chariot. Pharaoh's making bank in, in recession. They're eating the best food. They're driving the best chariots. People are, woo, as Joseph, they bow down as Joseph's dream was and they worship Joseph. So that's what everyone focuses on. You know that whole gig was put together? It wasn't about Joseph or Pharaoh. It was just about Judah. Because Judah was carrying the seed to the Messiah. And if Judah had died in the famine, you and I'd be going to hell right now. Because totally. the, the seed to Messiah wow. would have died wow. in his loins. So while everybody else is looking at all the paraphernalia, wow. the end of the thing is not about whether you ride the second chariot. It's not about whether or not you ride the first chariot. It's like, how are we getting the seed? How are we getting Jesus to a community? So we so just good. focus on all the wrong stuff. When it, and the same thing with honor. Why wouldn't you want to honor? If you want more people to get saved and you believe the power of God gets people saved and you believe the power of God comes off a leader, then why wouldn't you want to make sure that whatever's on them comes off them the best. That's so good. So good. Hey, um, thank you so much for doing this today. And um, I'm going to have you answer one more question here before we're done. But yeah. I just want to say a big thank you to you for carrying that all these years. Uh, thank you for never overlooking a moment, you know, to deposit that into a young leader. I know you've probably had this conversation, you know, 500 times. Mm -hmm. And th thank you for like for carrying that message for young leaders today. Thank you for the airplane flights and the you know all the inconveniences that come with it. Um, I am grateful. I, I know our tribe is grateful. They're going to hear a lot more from you in the future. So just thanks, man. Um, answer one final question. If you if you could leave everybody with this final thought, if a leader wants to walk away from this podcast and show honor to their pastor what would that practically look like? Like, What's something they could walk away and practically do today to show their leader honor? Well, they have to find out what their leader feels value on it on. You know, that, that, that's what you really have to do. How, how does your, because everyone perceives it differently. 
So what I feel value, when I, I feel people add value to me. I feel pe value for me when people work out with me and hang out with me. Mm. You know, spend time, I, I oh, like shoot, that. they gotta go to the gym yeah. again with you. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that, yeah. that to me is, you know, where other people it may be, they want you to carry their bags. Other people may be, I don't need you to carry my bags, just go and visit, get in the lobby of the church and talk to, talk to people for me. You know, get in the parking lot and make sure that solo mums or single dads aren't carrying their babies on their own. You know, represent me well. So one of the things I would do at Champion Centre, and I still would do it at uh, City Church or Family Christian Centre, whatever, but more here, whenever I was in the building, um, I would carry myself like Pastor Kevin. I would be his ambassador. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm honoring him by how I carry myself in, in the building. And then when I'm in his airspace, I'm just focusing on what I'm perceiving he needs or Pastor Sheila needs at that moment. When I walk out of their airspace and I'm not with them perceiving their needs, now I'm carrying their needs to the people around me. So, yeah, but it's hard to lock it onto what can they, one thing they do, yeah. because every, every leader values something different. You, know, you need to know what they value and understand that and then fill that value. That's great. That's a great answer. Thanks, John. No worries, man. You, man. Love Appreciate you too. You. We hope you've enjoyed uh, being with us this week live from Team Church Conference. I want to encourage you to head to teamchurchconference.com uh, for our final sessions of the event and also to get registered for 2019. We have reimagined the conference for next year, a new focus, a new structure. It's going to be a, a year not to miss. I also want to encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com or the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. We'd love to have you in our tribe. Next week, we'll be back with the podcast in our regular format, and we will be answering some of the questions we did not get to in our labs at the Team Church Conference here. So it's going to be a great episode next week. You're not going to want to miss it. We love you, Leading Second. Let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together.